everybody. Welcome to another episode of Laguna Beach, the podcast. As always, it is your host, Kelly. I hope you're doing well. And if you are in the United States, I hope you had a really safe and fun 4th of July weekend. I do have to say something. I have to give it up to Ireland right now because, you know, Ireland always goes hard for the Laguna Beach podcast. This week, I think it peaked at 33, which is crazy. So I just wanted to give a special shout out to all the Irish followers out there. Hell yeah, I appreciate that. My grandma was right from Ireland, and if I was to tell her this, she would have no idea what a podcast is or what I'm talking about, but I know she would be very excited. But I think it's really cool, this biatch community. We've extended. We've grown. I mean, I know that the podcast gets listened to a lot in New Zealand, United States, Canada, but just recently, Cambodia, Peru, Hong Kong, like places I never even thought would give a shit are, are tuning in, so... Hello, everybody. Welcome. And I'm really excited because I feel like feel like we're getting some steam. We're getting going and I'm feeling good. We're doing good. <laughs> I do have some bad news, though. I'm so sorry to tell you this. Next week, there will be no podcast. Um, my friend is flying in from back home. We're going to be celebrating my birthday. And because of the COVID spike and actually a lot of bars in Nashville are cutting back, I am going to be hosting a party at the Bode Hotel in Nashville. I was able to get a two-bedroom hotel room there. They're going to be letting us party there a little bit. We're going to have a raging fiesta. It's going to be a good time. So if you ever come to Nashville, make sure you check out the Bode Hotel. But I'm really excited. Um, Next Tuesday, the 14th is my birthday. And I ended up taking the day off from work because I still didn't return those shorts I said I was going to return. But also, I just wanted to kind of chill after my friend leaves. I know I'm going to be a little sad. So I was like, you know what? Let me just take my birthday off and not do anything. Maybe hang out by the pool at my apartment complex. I don't know. It's kind of funny. One thing I realized during, you know, the 4th of July celebrations, I I went to my friend's house. It was only me, her, and her boyfriend, but her block did fireworks. So all houses, like, we stayed separated, but every house had fireworks, and it would kind of be like shooting them off one by one and taking turns. But I realized how much I hate fireworks going off during the daytime. Not into that. But I have a lot to talk about after this episode, okay? I have a lot to talk about. You're finally getting your Glee deep dive that I promised. I finally put aside some time and I was like, I really need to do this because I really want to because I swear the Glee, something about Glee is just cursed to me. And I'll talk about that a little more, but I'm pretty sure if you followed the Glee drama at all, you know that Glee is cursed. So this episode of The Hills, it is season three, episode 12. It's called Stress in the City. What a cute little play on Sex in the City. And just by the way, this is the episode that would have had Trey in it if MTV wasn't haters. They just straight up cut out his scene because Trey is too normal for TV, I guess. I don't know. I have not watched the deleted scene yet, but I'm going to get it up on the page soon, I promise. Also, we're super close to 50,000 followers on Instagram. So once we get that, I'm going to shell out $100 to get Spencer Pratt to give the Biatch family a little shout out. Okay, Back to the episode, like I said, season three, episode 12, it's called Stress and the City. So during the recap, Lauren says she's starting to wonder about her and Brody. She's like, maybe there are real feelings there, I don't know. And then we get another reminder about the Young Hollywood Party, which I feel like has been going on for 12 episodes now. We open up the episode with Whitney showing Lisa the place that she found for the Young Hollywood Party again. That was Whitney's job. She had to find the perfect place. And she found an old church, which is actually like, 
I don't know if I would ever want to party in a church. I don't care how long it hasn't been a church. Like to me, I, I don't know if I could do it. But Lisa absolutely loves it. She thinks it's perfect. And they look over at like the confessionals against the wall. And Lisa's like, we can just cover those up. It's no big issue. We can cover up confessionals. And Whitney's like, no, let's make them into photo booths. And Lisa thinks that is the greatest idea she's ever heard. Lisa's like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. That's incredible. Lisa does say that the space needs a lot of work. They really need to spruce it up, but she's happy with it. She thinks it's a good event space. She thinks there's more than enough room because, again, this is going to be bigger than last year's Young Hollywood Party. And all in all, Lisa is very pleased with Whitney. I do think Whitney would be really good at her job. Again, I think Whitney took this a little more seriously than Lauren did. I could be totally wrong saying that. But I also feel like I would rather have Whitney as a full-time employee than Lauren. So the next scene, the girls are going into Lisa's office for a meeting. And Lisa tells the girls they're going to New York on a red eye to meet Amy Astley and her whole staff. Lisa is like, I'm sending you out tonight and you're taking the red eye. And I used to think red eyes were like only for famous people and rich people because of this show. I don't know why I thought that, but I feel like they were always taking red eyes and always doing like overnight flights. And I took a red eye once from Las Vegas to Massachusetts. I left Las Vegas at like 11 p.m. and got back to Massachusetts at like 8 a.m. No, red eyes are not glamorous. It's so hard if you can't sleep on planes. I was just all out of it anyway, but because of this show, and I feel like they were mentioned on other shows, like the red eye flight. It sounds so glamorous and cool, and famous people love taking red eyes. Red eye flights are fucking miserable. But back to the show. Their job is to present everything to Amy for the Young Hollywood Party. Lisa's like, you're going to have to do a presentation. You have to look nice. You you have to bring all the poster boards, which have all the pictures on it, and you're going to be the one presenting it, Whitney. But it's like the flowers, the drawings, the every detail, food, everything. And Whitney gets to do it on her own because, again, Whitney is full-time staff and Lauren is just a little intern hanging out. But then Lisa, as always, goes, no funny business. This is serious. But, you know, Lisa wants to be like, no partying like you did with red jumpsuit apparatus because that was very unprofessional of you, Whitney. She's also probably like, Lauren, please just go there and do your job. Like, please don't mess around. Please just go there. <laughs> So the girls are excited about New York. They go back to the fashion closet and Whitney and Lauren are just really excited about it. And Whitney says she needs to figure out what to wear, but she's excited to be presenting with with someone. She's like, you know, I'm not going to be alone in this. You're going to be with me and I'm not as nervous because you'll be by my side. Then Lauren admits that she actually has a special dress on reserve for the next time she meets Amy. She's like, I don't even need to shop. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. All right, next scene, we see Mr. Spencer, who shaved his beard. He doesn't have he doesn't have his beard in this episode, but he does have some fresh guy lights, some frosted tips for sure. But as he's walking in, Frankie Delgado walks out because he's picking up a paycheck. We find out that Frankie promotes on Saturdays at Area with Brett. And one thing about Frankie, I know that he still does a lot of club promotion. I think he's part owner of Hyde Nightclub in Los Angeles. But he's straight up. I actually give Frankie a lot of credit. I read an um, interview with him about his life and basically grew up really poor in Mexico. And then he kind of he moved to L.A. and worked his way up in the club scene. He said he started doing everything. He was like um, he was a bar back. He was a bartender. He would take extra hours. He just wanted to be involved in the club scene. And then eventually he became a club promoter. And he got in with like Talon and Brody and kind of became friends with a lot of more famous people. But yeah, I give him credit. He's a little hustler. 
Not a little hustler. He's a big hustler. And obviously it worked out. But then Frankie says, I haven't seen you in three months, Spencer. And he's like, yeah, it's been a while. I've been chilling. And Frankie brings up calling Spencer on his birthday and not getting a call back. I'm actually going to play the audio clip. But I wonder if Frankie was like super pumped because before this scene, he was always just with Brody. But this time he's kind of like he's kind of on his own manning the own conversation. Like he has a whole part of a scene. But I'm going to play the audio clip between Frankie and Spencer because I feel like you need to just hear Spencer's explanation about Brody and all of that. Brody left you a message on your birthday. We called you on your birthday. We didn't get a call back. But Brody and I, it's as simple as this. I've been Brody's loyal best friend for so many years. I've defended him. I've fought for him. And then I started hanging out with LC, who all she does is bash my name, try to tear up my relationship with Heidi, all these things, right? Lauren's my friend. Brody's my friend. And he should be able to hang out with whoever he wants. And if you can't accept that, then you guys are never going to be friends. He called you on your birthday. Maybe that was a little way to reach out to you. Well you want to continue a friendship with him, you go reach out and you go call him and you go talk to him. It's, it's all about moving forward. Also, quick side note, if you can hear like bombs in the background, it's because someone's lighting off fireworks and I apologize. But on another note, Spencer's eyes in this scene are like very blue. And for one quick second, I was like, am I attracted to Spencer Pratt? It kind of like it threw me off because of how blue his fucking eyes look in this scene. And I'm like, oh, my. But. No, I'm not attracted to him. It was just a moment of weakness because we've all been in quarantine and I haven't seen another male in a while. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But Spencer goes in to pick Heidi up for lunch and immediately mentions running into Frankie. And she's like, she's like, yeah, he works with Brent sometimes. Are you okay? And he's like, dude, no, no, you know. But I am going to play another audio clip just because he like really goes off about Brody. And I didn't want to write everything down. And I also didn't think I could do the impression as well as Spencer himself. So get ready for another audio clip in right now. What do you have to say? Yeah, it's just like, you kind of understand there's two sides of it. Like, Brody can't believe that you wouldn't be friends with him over talking to Lauren. I was like, it's not about that, Frankie. It's about that I wouldn't do that. And Brody's not the kind of friend I have been and will be to him. So many people have said bad things about Brody. Am I friends with those people? Yeah, right. It's like, that's the difference between Brody and I. He would be friends with somebody who says bad things about me. I wouldn't do that with my friends. Right. And I I, I don't care. I really don't. But in that moment, I actually feel really bad for Spencer. I mean, I think he definitely alienated himself. But it's kind of like, yeah, that does suck that he is hanging out with someone who talks so much shit about you. But again, you probably shouldn't spread rumors that somebody has a sex tape. Now we are at LAX for the New York Red Eye. And it just kind of shows like planes flying up in the air at night. And then the next scene is a plane landing during the day in New York. But we are in a taxi ride with the girls. And Lauren and Whitney show up to the Teen Vogue headquarters for Amy Astley. And I have to say, both girls look absolutely great. They look incredible. Lauren is in this gray dress and her hair looks perfect. And Whitney isn't like a classier version of Alex M's prom dress. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like nicer than Alex M's prom dress. But Lauren quickly asks Whitney if she's practiced. And Whitney's like, no, not really. When she said not really, I was actually really surprised because I feel like Whitney would be someone who'd want to practice and make sure everything was perfect. But Amy's assistant comes out and gets them and brings them to Amy's office. And Amy's very nice welcoming them. She's kissing their cheeks. 
She tells Whitney she's really excited to hear her presentation. And then Amy mentions to Lauren that Lisa said she loves Marc Jacobs. And Lauren's like, he's my favorite. He's, I love him. Then Amy goes, well, you're going to meet him right now. So I'm, I'm not going to do the meeting. Like Lauren's confused because she thought she was there to help Whitney with her presentation. And Amy just goes, no. And you can tell Whitney's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Her facial expressions. Because, again, she wasn't ready to really do this on her own. She thought Lauren would be there, you know, to hype her up a little bit. But Lauren leaves to go meet Mark, and Whitney is left at the Teen Vogue headquarters. Now, Lauren is also told that she only has 20 minutes to get there. And, like, she's like, oh, my God, okay, okay, thank you. And she walks out and does, like, a quick jog to the elevator. Like, she's got to save those extra four seconds. But you know she's in a rush. You know she's in a rush because she, like, gets into the um, cab and she's like, I have to go to 72 Spring Street and I'm in a hurry, please. But Lauren makes it there in time and she gets there to meet someone named Kate. Now, there's a big model casting, so she's there helping for that. And it's kind of weird because I feel like during the early 2000s, thin was in. Like, looking really thin was what people wanted at the time. So they keep showing all these models, and they all just look so miserable, and they do not look happy at all. That's all I can say is, like, it keeps showing different models, and they all look so miserable. But Kate kind of explains to Lauren that she's going to be giving the models their final styles. She's going to be finding them shoes, tucking in their shirts, bows, all of that stuff. Lauren has to make sure they look good before they go into the main casting director. So back at the Teen Vogue headquarters in New York City, Amy seems very kind. I don't know if Amy was always kind. I kind of feel like Amy was mean the first time we saw her, but I can, I mean, I might be wrong. But she announces that it's Whitney's first time presenting as a staff member, not just an intern. And everybody like smiles and nods their head. They're like, oh, very cool. Very cool. We're pleased with that. But then Whitney goes through the floor plan and Whitney just seems nervous. She keeps stumbling over her words as she probably is nervous. I do still think at this point, some of the hills was like, fairly real. I mean, they probably already knew what they were going to do for the Team Vogue party, but Whitney still needed to, like, put together a presentation. And some of the others in the office don't seem to really like it. Whitney's like, there will be a carpet for the, um, for the runway. And Amy goes, no carpet. That'll be too hard to, like, clean up and get the party going. And Whitney's like, okay, no carpet. Okay. So she starts taking notes, and then there's a tree And Whitney's like, we're going to hang chandeliers off this tree. And someone goes, how many chandeliers? And Whitney's like, I I don't know. I don't know how many chandeliers. I'm sorry. And I feel like we've all been Whitney in that point. Like when you're at a, when you're in a work conference or work event, I should say, or or meeting and somebody asks you questions that you weren't expecting. So you're kind of stumbling over it. But again, Whitney should have practiced because (laughs) that's a question they're likely going to ask. But I don't think Whitney did a bad job. I'd say she definitely was nervous, but I wouldn't say she did a bad job with the presentation at all. But she was given some constructive criticism, and it kind of seems like she took it to heart, which I understand because I also take criticism to heart. But we are back at the casting, and Lauren is helping, is introduced to Mark, and she's so shocked. You can kind of see that she wasn't expecting it. And Mark walks in, and Lauren goes, Hi, how are you? And he goes, Hi, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm alphabetizing. Well, that's very important. Nice to meet you. Have a good day. Like, it's just that quick of a moment. But I feel like you can just see the joy on Lauren's face. Like, it's such a cool moment if you meet someone you look up to and they're actually nice to you and, like, recognize you're human. So I think she was definitely having one of those, like, surreal moments. Now we have a little hotel room moment with the gals. 
Whitney is jealous that Lauren met Mark. She's like, I can't believe you got to meet Mark Jacobs. And Lauren just goes, I'm going to hug Lisa as a thank you, then run away because she scares me. Like, nobody scares Lauren Conrad more than Lisa Love. Actually, maybe Kelly Catrone, right? May- Kelly might be up there, but Lisa's definitely, definitely up there. But Lauren asks about the presentation, and Whitney says, she's like, I don't know how I did. Um, I'm going to just have to see what Lisa says, but I think I did okay. And then Whitney's like, I don't want to leave. It's kind of bittersweet. So it's kind of setting us up for the city, which I still haven't watched. And I know you guys are mad at me because of it. I'm so sorry. But Lauren quickly, like, she's like, I'm not, I'm ready to go home because I miss Brody. But we don't see her say it. So I think it's just like a random voice clip that they threw in there to be like, see, remember, she has feelings for Brody again. Remember, like, we always, production always needs to remind us that she does have feelings for Brody. Now we are at Spidey apartment and it's like a eight second scene. It's very quick, but Spencer calls Brody. It rings twice, goes right to voicemail and he leaves a message saying, yo Brody, it's Spencer. Hit me up. There's some things we need to talk about. Hang up. The end. Quick scene. But Spencer has now reached out to Brody after ignoring Brody's reaching out to him. The next scene, we're at Patina restaurant at the Disney concert hall. It is still called the Disney concert hall. I do not know if that restaurant is still there. But Lauren and Whitney show up for the Teen Vogue fashion tasting. (laughs) Teen Vogue food tasting, not fashion tasting. But Whitney's still nervous because Lisa hasn't said anything. They sit down for the tasting and Lisa brings up Amy who said everything went really well, Whitney. I spoke to Amy and everything went really well, so thank you for that. Then Lisa makes a joke. Lisa shows her sense of humor, which we love. I love humor. And Lisa goes, I heard about your dress. And Whitney, you can tell her heart sinks. She's like, but what do you mean? Was it bad? And she goes, I heard it was pretty dressy and I want you to dress like that for the office every single day. And then they all start cracking up. But you could tell Whitney was kind of like, oh my God, did I look bad for this presentation that I already thought I didn't do well? After the tasting, everybody's cool, but all is well. And they all do a cheers to the young Hollywood party, which has to be happening soon, right? Like they have drugged this out all season, But Young Hollywood Party, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be wild. So later in the day, Brody shows up at Lauren's apartment and Lauren has candles lit. And you know what Brody asks? Are you uh, you trying to set the uh, mood or something? (laughs) Then Brody asks her about New York and Lauren starts talking about how she met Mark Jacobs. And then she's like, Brody, are you okay?" And Brody mentions Spencer drama. And I'm going to play this audio clip. And again, it's going to remind you that Brody is the guy who says, where's my hug? You know, where's my hug, Lauren? But I'm going to play this audio clip, and that's how the episode ends. So get ready right now. Yeah, I um, Spencer. Spencer. He called, he left me a message. He was reaching out, he misses me, and, you know. So I haven't called him back yet, and I don't think I'm going to. You don't want to make up with him? I mean, I, I love Spencer, but I don't think I could ever look at him the same, ever. And it's like, I just don't ever think that we'll be best friends again, you know? Well, I know that the reason, like, you guys stopped, stopped talking was because he was bothered that you were hanging out with me. I just don't want to be responsible at all for breaking up a friendship, especially not one that lasted so long. You know what I mean? I made this decision. I, you know, the reason why I don't want to talk to him is for my own reasons. So listen, I think there's too many pillows in between us. Maybe, you know, just a little, can we give me a hug or something? Oh, give me a hug. All right. Now I'm cozy. I am. A little bit. 
always forget all the BS. I'll always be there for you. Mm-hmm. And you always be there for me. Okay. So originally I was only going to talk about the Glee deep dive. And then some stuff happened. So actually... Uh, This is kind of, uh, if you've listened for a while, you know about my rom-com life that turned into like a disaster and just sad. Well, Tim has been coming into the office every once in a while. We say hi, and that's pretty much all we say to one another. We're still not really talking or anything. But last night, on my personal Instagram, he has liked the tribute that I did to Girl after Girl passed away. And then like two weeks later, I posted Girl's paw print, and he never liked it or anything. So I wake up on July 5th at 7 a.m. and see that he liked that post from March at 3 a.m. this morning. What a fucking weirdo. Like, you must have just been creeping on my page, accidentally liked it, because I went back, like, I screenshotted it and sent it to my friend Callie to be like, what is he doing? Like, go away. (laughs) Get out of my life. But then I went back and he unliked it. So I don't even know what the fuck that's about. I was kind of like, okay. (laughs) Like, weird. But yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys that because I know you've been along for the crazy, weird-ass rom-com life that has ended and crashed and burned, but I just, I thought you guys would enjoy that. Some other stuff that has went on, Kanye West has announced that he's running for president in 2020. I don't know if he'll be able to, though, because it's so late. Like, it's in November. I don't know if he can even make it on a ballot. I don't, I don't know, honestly. Um, everyone's like surprised, but I remember that when Taylor Swift gave him like the Vanguard thing, Vanguard award at the MTV awards, I think it was 2015 or 2016. He said he was going to run for president. So seeing that he announced he's running for president, I was kind of like, oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, Kanye West is going to do what Kanye West wants. So at this point, I just, I hope people don't vote for him as a joke because, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm just going to ask you not to vote for Kanye West. (laughs) That's what I'm going to ask you to do. But yeah, I'm not really surprised by this. I feel like I was more surprised about him collaborating with The Gap than I was about him announcing his presidency run. Run for presidency, however you say it. That's why I'm not going to run for president, because I don't even know the correct verbiage. Another thing that happened is Casey Musgraves and Rustin Kelly are getting a divorce. A lot of people are sad because she wrote her last album about him. Beautiful album, beautiful songs. There have been a lot of rumors about this, though, since, like, January, so I'm not, like, super surprised. But another country couple bites the dust. First, it's Michael Ray and Carly Pierce. Now it's Casey and Rustin Kelly, so we're going to see. Let's see who's next. No, I'm not going to say that. I hope nobody else is next. We can't have any more quarantine breakups. Maybe a few more quarantine babies. Let's see So let's see who else is going to have quarantine babies. But all I know is Casey's next album's probably going to be really fucking good, right? There's no doubt about it. Gielin, I can't even say your last name, as I can't say many people's last name, but Jeffrey Epstein's literal partner in crime was arrested over the weekend, which is really exciting. And let's hope she doesn't quote-unquote kill herself. I mean, I don't know if they could get away with that again. I, she's probably going to die from COVID or something. I bet you, and I'm not someone who thinks COVID's fake, like, let me just throw that out there. I just think that if people want her to, like not tell everyone who's a gross pedophile in Hollywood and in the government, like, she'll she'll get COVID and pass away. I'm putting it out there now. I recently started, not re-watching, but finishing up the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix. And one thing people always want to do, they want to, like, show pictures of him with Bill Clinton or show pictures of him with Donald Trump or whatever. All I want is, like, all those women to have justice because... 
It's disgusting what happened to them. Like, they literally, locals called his island Pedophile Island. So if you spent time on Pedophile Island, I don't care who you are, you should probably be questioned. That's all I'm going to say. On a lighter note, actually, I don't know if this is a lighter note, but we found out who was killing Jay's chickens. It was funny. There were so many comments. It was like, Kristen did it. <laughs> Steven from Laguna Beach did it. Um, Shannon Ford did it. Some of the comments on his pictures were so funny. But apparently it was a raccoon. And let me tell you something. I am shocked that raccoons actually eat chickens. I thought they lived off of like bugs and trash. So knowing a raccoon can eat a chicken really frightened me. And I look at raccoons a little bit differently. And yeah, I'm still shocked about the raccoon because I definitely, my my bet was on a fox or a coyote. Now, I also got into like a little bit, I'm not going to call it a deep dive. It wasn't a deep dive. But I heard about this rumor about Dolly Parton. And I've chosen to believe that this rumor is true. Okay, this is a rumor that I'm going to say is true because it gives me joy and it's funny. But have you ever like heard a rumor and just decided it was real? Like there's no real weight behind it. You're just like, yep, I'm about it. This is that rumor for me. Apparently, Dolly Parton always wears long sleeve shirts because her arms and back are covered in tattoos, covered in butterfly tattoos. Again, there's not really much proof other than a picture of a flower that's between Dolly's boobs. It's like a little bit lower. But I found this rumor about a week ago I wanted to share with you guys, and I've chosen to blindly believe this. I know I've said when I, like, talk about celebrity blinds, I usually do, like, at least a little bit of research behind it, but not this one. Not this one at all. I've decided it is true. And for the record, I love Dolly Parton. She does a ton for charity. I think she's, like, an awesome woman. But, yeah, I'm going to say that this rumor is true, and Dolly Parton is actually covered in butterfly tattoos. And now it's time for the Glee Deep Dive. Now, before I get into this deep dive, as I said earlier, I really think there is a Glee curse. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I genuinely believe that there is a curse. And I've decided it's probably because they use dummies to fill their seats rather than real life extras. Like they'd have some extras in there, but then they just throw dummies in there. So that's that's why it's cursed. Also, fireworks are still going off. So if you can hear them in the background, I'm very sorry. Thin walls in my apartment. But I think over the years that the drama that went on behind the scenes of Glee, they've been pretty well documented, and I was a Gleek. I loved Glee for like three seasons, but when everyone graduated and half of the show was in New York, I know that I lost interest, and I wasn't a Gleek who met the cast at their Hot Topic mall tour, which is a true tragedy because I wish I did. But after that big change with everyone graduating and all that, I just felt like it was off. I know that the only episodes I watched for sure were the episode where they did a memorial for Finn, Corey Monteith, and then the series finale. But I couldn't even tell you what happened in the series finale, honestly. And this is just a personal note about Corey Monteith. He passed away on, I believe, July 12th or 13th. And I always celebrate my birthday on like the 11th, 12th or 13th because my birthday rarely falls on like a weekend. But yeah, when we when he died, I was celebrating my birthday a little early And I cried until 5 a.m. So now every year, whenever I'm celebrating my birthday, even if it's not on the exact date, we do a cheers to Corey Monteith. And usually I celebrate with the same people. And last year I didn't. I celebrated with new Nashville friends. And they were like, what the fuck are you doing? But once I explained to them, they were kind of like, I still don't want to cheers to Corey Monteith, but we'll do it for you. And I'm like, thank you. It's my birthday. Anyway, I do think that Glee is iconic. It's such a big staple in pop culture, and I still wonder what songs they'd sing. I mean, I am sure there would be inappropriate mashup of Senorita with Rachel and Mr. Shoe. 
I mean, can't you just picture that? Like, just just imagine that in your man- mind and it's it's there. Or Kurt singing Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. Just little things like that I think about on a daily basis. I don't know. Maybe not daily. Maybe weekly. Maybe every day. I don't know. I just I think about it often. But on another note, Mercedes and Santana were my favorite singers out of the whole crew. I mean, you can't deny that Rachel Berry was insanely talented with her voice, but I always felt like most of the singers were just all right. Out of the guys, I think I'd have to say Blaine had the best voice, and I know that I hated Artie's voice. And then in the later seasons, I don't even really remember those characters. Like I said, once the original crew left, I basically tapped out of the show. But yeah, I'll always say Santana and Amber. I said Amber instead of Mercedes. Amber Riley, who played Mercedes. I think those two definitely had the best voices. Like I said, you cannot deny Leah Michelle's talent. You can't deny Chris Colfer's talent. Even um, Tina. I, f- I don't know Tina's real name, but Tina was a great singer. But to me, Mercedes and Santana carried that show on their backs with their vocals. And all the boys sucked at singing. I'm not going to say sucked. I guess sucked is like really harsh. But the girls definitely carried that show. The female actresses definitely carried that show. Now, Brittany overall was my favorite. I loved her one-liners. Like, one line that always stuck out to me was, dolphins are just gay sharks. And I don't know why I still think that's so funny, but I do think Brittany became one of my favorites quick. Her weird little, you know, her weird saying, she was such a great dancer. She was a backup dancer for Beyonce, and then in the Brittany episode, she danced with Brittany. Iconic. And I loved Sue. Sue really cracked me up. And I don't remember the principal's name, but I thought he was really funny. And I also loved Kurt's dad. I mean, I liked Emma, but Emma could, like, come and go. I didn't really care about her. Um, I liked when Gwyneth Paltrow came on. I liked her character. But, like, Mr. Shu, I wasn't a huge fan of. I guess Quinn was all right. But Quinn, I didn't re- actually, you know what? I didn't really care for Quinn. Loved Santana, like I said. I loved Mercedes. But, yeah. But, yeah, that's my list, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on now. <laughs> Now, I would say after Glee, Diana Agron had some small moments. Naya Rivera had small moments and also very problematic moments. Leah Michelle is obviously still around, even though she sounds like the worst of all time. I feel like maybe Cord Overstreet had some stuff, like he had a little something. He was randomly in the bold type. He has a really good song called Hold On. But I wouldn't say that Cord ever had like a big moment after Glee. Darren Chris had a big moment. Melissa Benoist, who was in Benoist, I'm gonna go with Benoist. Melissa Benoist was is in Supergirl on CW. Chris Colfer was in a few things too. I think he's like a children's book writer now. All right, maybe more of them had careers after Glee than I thought. I was gonna say that like none of them really took off other than Leah Michelle and Darren Chris, but I am incorrect, and I'm gonna take that back right now. But I mean, the show had a freaking reality TV spinoff. I mean, people loved Glee. There were celebrity cameos from, like, everybody. I know that Foo Fighters, I know Dave Grohl, like, openly trashed the show. But anyway, I mean, they had Britney Spears, Kate Hudson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Carol Burnett, John Stamos, Whoopi Goldberg, Ricky Martin, Nene Leakes, and that's just to name a few. Now I'm going to give you my top Glee covers, okay? And this is coming from only memory because I haven't watched the show in so long. And I know everyone will say Teenage Dream by Darren Chris is up there, but it's just never done a ton for me. The song Teenage Dream, I know everyone's like, it's the perfect pop song, all this stuff. But to me, it's just, it's boring. I don't know. It's a boring song for me. And I'm sorry, please don't unsubscribe if you love Teenage Dream. I understand why people, why people like it, okay? I'm going to say that. I think Katy Perry did great with it. It's just not my cup of tea. I can't believe I just said it's not my cup of tea. Anyway, 
But remember, I said Santana was one of my favorite singers, so I think you can get those vibes from my picks. But this is in no order, and again, it's just from memory. But I got to go with Shake It Off, Songbird, Don't Stop Believin', Bad Romance, Make You Feel My Love, Smooth Criminal, and then the rumor has it someone like you mash up. Valerie, Express Yourself, Define Gravity, Faithfully, Cough Syrup, and I'm Pretty. Those are my favorites. There it is. I'm sure there are a shit ton that I forgot about because I tried to look it up on Spotify and there were like eight or nine albums of Glee songs. And I was like, "Mm, I'm just going to go with the ones that I'm for sure know that I want on there. But the show was created by Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan. And like I said, it was a pop culture phenomenon delivering record ratings, attracting an endless lineup of A-list guest stars, and even breaking Elvis Presley's long-standing record for most appearances on Billboard's Hot 100. That is right, the Glee cast dethroned the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. So Ryan said there was a lot of infighting. There was a lot of people sleeping together and breaking up. It was good training for being a parent, I'll tell you that much. So let's talk about some on-screen romances, shall we? Leah Michelle and Matt Morrison, who was Mr. Shoe, apparently dated before the show started. There's not much information. They didn't really talk about it much, but during their Broadway days, they dated for a hot second, apparently. And then, of course, Leah Michelle and Corey Monteith. And then there was Naya Rivera and Mark Salling, which was a relationship that crashed and burned. I remember reading things saying that they'd always fight and Naya once keyed his car, but Naya said she never keyed his car. And then Melissa Benoit and Blake Jenner dated and eventually got married to divorce a a year later. So when you think about all these relationships, they ended pretty terribly. I mean, I don't know about Leah and Matt, but the other three I mentioned ended pretty rough. And Diaz said that Leah and Corey were all for publicity. He, she allegedly cheated on him all the time. And now I like to say that they were real just for my own heart. And it's kind of funny. I hated them on the show, but in real life, I thought they made a very sweet couple Of course, Corey ended up passing away from an accidental overdose in 2013, and I can't believe it's been that long. Like, it's insane that it was that long ago, but Corey's mom has said some not-so-nice things about Leah in the media, so I wonder if there was those cheating rumors were true. Like I said, Corey's mom has said some nasty things in the media about Leah. I don't know if it's been lately, but but not not too long after Corey passed away. And now we're with Naya Rivera and Mark Salling, two extremely toxic people, if you ask me. And of course, Mark passed away from suicide in 2018 after being caught with child pornography on his computer. Like I said, the shit was cursed, and I swear the Glee set was probably one of the most toxic places on earth. But anyway, I remember stories about Naya trashing Mark's car because he cheated on her. She has actually said, quote, I think everyone should have that one relationship where you look back and ask yourself, what the hell was I thinking? You learn something and you won't regret it. Unless, of course, that relationship was with someone who had a sizable stash of child porn on his computer, then by all means regret everything. And then Naya also said that she never keyed his car. Instead, she covered it in dog food, eggs, and bird seeds. So Melissa Benoist and Blake Jenner, they ended up being married. And I feel like the breakup hasn't been talked about nearly enough. Melissa ended up dating her now husband, Chris Wood, almost immediately after her and Blake broke up. So everyone said that she cheated on Blake, all this stuff. Well, Melissa did a long video on her Instagram opening up about how abusive Blake was during their relationship. I think she posted it 
back in November, but it's probably still on her Instagram. I didn't watch it, or I haven't watched it, but I watched it back in November. I haven't watched it since November is what I'm trying to say. I have not watched it since November, but she goes into great detail about how abusive Blake was to her. He allegedly broke her eye socket with a cell phone and threatened to kill her, but nobody talks about it. It is really hard to listen to, but I give her a lot of credit for speaking out. And one thing I will say is she just decided to take those cheating rumors to kind of like protect Blake in a way. She wasn't like, no, he beat the shit out of me. That's why we're divorced. Instead, she waited and um, maybe waited till she felt safe and comfortable to talk about it. So I give her a lot of credit for that. And I forgot about Brad Falchuk and Gwyneth Paltrow. She was a guest on the show and he was the creator. They met, fell in love, now they're married. The end. But like I said, this show was cursed. And although at the time Becca Tobin was dating someone who wasn't on the show, her boyfriend was found dead in a hotel room in 2014. And of course, there were also feuds. And I think the most famous feud will always be Naya and Leah Michelle. I feel like they really openly disliked one another, but looking back at cast photos, Leah Michelle was rarely with the cast. And I used to think that maybe she didn't want to be there. She was like, oh, you know, I'm too good for this, but I don't know if she was even invited to like hang out with them. But maybe the cast was like against Leah because she was a fucking nightmare. The cast was like, we don't want her around. And there's this cringe-worthy interview. I'm sure if you Google it or YouTube it, something will come up. But Leah Michelle's like, we love being on tour together. It's like having an on, it's like having a family on the road. And Amber Riley's just st- sitting there like nodding her head like, oh my God. But there have been a lot of accusations about Leah Michelle being racist and terrible and like the meanest person on earth. But Amber Riley came out and was like, she's not racist. She's not a good person, but she's not a racist. So I don't know if maybe there was something between Leah and Amber, but it sounds like there was something between Leah and basically everybody on the whole cast. Now, apparently, Diana and Naya fought on the set a lot as well, which is something I learned while doing this deep dive. But there are a lot of conflicting reasons as to why. Some people suggest that they actually dated while on the show together, but others suggest that Naya just didn't like to share the spotlight. So I'm not sure which one's true. But I also didn't realize that, I'm sure at the time I realized Diana Agron missed this episode, but like, I, I don't know, I didn't think anything of it. But she was not invited to Finn's tribute episode, and there are a lot of conflicting reports about why she missed the special segment honoring her late friend. But according to the actress, she has nothing but love for the show and her castmates. However, it has been rumored that both Murphy, Ryan Murphy, the creator, and Leah Michelle are not huge fans of Agron. She wasn't even invited back to the episode, despite the fact that her character had strong ties to Finn in most of the original cast made appearances. In 2015, Ryan Murphy said, To this day, I'm devastated by everything that happened with that show. Honestly, I feel like that's a bit dramatic. I mean, yeah, there were a ton of behind-the-scenes drama, but the show is iconic. The cast went on tour together. They broke records together, and I think this will always go down as iconic, even with the mess that is, you know, backstage. But I do wonder if the deaths of Corey Monteith and Mark Stalling kind of, like, leave a stain on this. And does Leah Michelle's insane behavior ruin it? I don't know. I don't think so. I can separate those things from the show, but I know a lot of people can't. I'm just like, this show was so insane that it, it was not just insane, but like it was a crazy good musical. It was really creative. It was beautiful in a way that made like nerdy kids like cool. And it also made jocks want to join Glee Club, like things like that. 
But then, of course, all the backfighting and all the people hooking up and all the fights. I can kind of see why you'd be like, this was a fucking mistake of a show. But also be grateful that you put together an incredible show like that and you were a part of a show like that. That is the Glee Deep Dive. I hope that you guys learned some stuff. I hope that there was some stuff that maybe you didn't know about the drama. And know what's crazy? Next time I do a podcast, I'm going to be 29. I'm going to be 29 years old. And I've been thinking a lot of like my early 20s. So my early 20s from like... 20 to 24, 25, I was a wreck. I drank too much. I partied too hard. I didn't know what I wanted in my life. And I was trying to think, like, somebody asked me in the questions at one time. I don't know if I ever answered it. But they were like, what would you tell 20-year-old Kelly? I think if I could give 20-year-old Kelly any advice, it would be to not be so angry. I was angry at everything for everyone. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that my mom's an alcoholic. When I turned 18, I had to go move with my dad. I'm not going to get into any of the specifics. Um, but yeah, I was I was really angry. And there is a quote from Friday Night Lights where Tyra's like, I had enough hate in my heart to start a car. And that's exactly how I felt. You know, all my friends were away at school. I was living at home, going to college still, but commuting. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. I didn't feel like I was doing anything. And I think even to this day, I just need to keep remembering everybody goes at their own pace. I can't be in a competition with the person next to me because I'll lose train of myself. But I think early 20s are some of the hardest years of your life because some of your friends are, you know, I've lost people in my life and you just have to kind of navigate how you're going to deal with all that. And everybody, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. We're all trying to do our best. And I still feel that way at 28. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I'm just trying to do my best and be my best and not be so angry. Back to the anger thing. Um, I'm not like a very religious person. Don't worry. I'm not going to get into religion. Don't worry. I know that I've touched on politics quite a bit the last few episodes, but no religion. I, I think your beliefs are your beliefs and that's important for you. But I've never been one to like really go to church or anything like that. But I'm, I'm spiritual. But anyway, I used to be like, how come this is happening to me? Why me? And one thing I've really tried to do over the years is be like, how can I learn from this? Instead of being like, God, why did you do another mean thing to me? Why are you putting so much pressure on me? So I think that's another thing I learned. I learned that you should learn from your mistakes and not just get angry about them. Yeah, I think that that's looking back on my early 20s. I did not like that person. That person was not a happy person. And I do think I'm a lot happier. And there's some things that I'd love to change still. You know, I think that my weight is always going to be an issue for me. I think that, no, you know, I've never really had like a love. I've never had someone who I've been like deeply in love with and they felt it back. I've definitely been in love with someone and he definitely didn't love me back. But I've also really closed myself off to people. So maybe that's something I'll try and work on for 29, 29, maybe go on some dates or something. I don't know. But no new episode next week. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I actually had a lot of fun with this episode. I feel like the last few weeks have been pretty heavy. But thank you guys for listening and all the awesome DMs you always get send me. I love talking. And you guys know. You're like, yeah, bitch, we know you love to talk. But I really love talking to everybody. And I try to respond to as many DMs as I can. Some days, you know, some days I just have to, like, shut it off because I'm in a bad mood or whatever. And I don't want to be, like, a bitch or not that I would be. I don't think I'd be an asshole to anybody, anyone who follows me unless you're an asshole to me first. But anyway, you know, I think I think 29. I hope I find a job I really love. I hope I find someone who I love. 
And I hope I keep doing this because I love doing this. I love podcasting, doing Laguna Biatch, hanging out with you guys, talking to you guys. Thank you so much for giving me, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of your week every week. And yeah, I just, I'm excited to see what 29 holds. I'm a little nervous. I I can't lie because like I said, like friends are starting to get married, have kids, and it's kind of like, when should I settle down a little bit more? But I'm also not ready to settle down. I'm, I'm going to be the fun aunt. I'm going to be the fun aunt for a while. But have an awesome rest of your week. I'll talk to you in two weeks. So have an awesome two weeks, okay? And hopefully, once I hit 50K, I'm going to buy a cameo from Spencer. And he's going to say, congratulations, Laguna Biatch. But he can also decline it. So we'll see what he does. And obviously, I'll share it with everybody. But I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.